Welcome, I'm Prudence Robertson, and this is EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. Abortion scheme. A Reuters investigation reports the Nigerian military has conducted at least 10,000 secret forced abortions during the Boko Haram conflict in the country's northeast region. Carolyn McDonald of Americans United for Life joins us to discuss the astonishing report and why abortion should be recognized as a crime against humanity. Advocating for life, Bishop Michael Burbage of Arlington, Virginia, becomes pro-life chair of the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. We hear from the outspoken Catholic leader about his new role and how pro-life advocates can respond to hate and hostility from the pro-abortion side. Helping mothers in Christ's birthplace, representatives of a pro-life hospital located just 1,500 steps from the birthplace of Jesus Christ say many in the Holy Land are facing a rough economic crisis and it's affecting the health of women and babies. Ambassador Michelle Bow, president of Holy Family Hospital Foundation, shares insight into what her organization is doing to help women and families in need. A staggering new report from Reuters exposes that for the past nine years, Nigerian military officials have aborted at least 10,000 children in a brutal assault against women who were captured and raped. 33 women came forward to confirm they themselves had endured these abortions after being held in captivity by Islamic insurgents. Some of these women witnessed others bleed out and die right beside them after being forcibly administered chemical abortion pills. U.S. Congressman Chris Smith issued a statement saying, quote, these credible reports shock the conscience. Carolyn McDonald serves as litigation counsel at Americans United for Life. She joins me now to discuss this shattering report. Carolyn, thanks for joining us. Given the current landscape in Nigeria, were you surprised that this atrocity was uncovered? What's your reaction to this? I mean, the report was shocking. I was reading through and reading the allegations, and I was just horrified by it. But at the same time, this is the problem of abortion violence. As long as abortion is permitted, elective abortion will exploit women and also harm unborn children. So in that regard, this is just another symptom of abortion violence that we're experiencing everywhere in the world. Yes, and reporters were actually able to get a hold of at least one of the people who carried out these abortions under government order, who explained that a predominant motivation here was to kill the children of the Islamic insurgents who raped these women. He said, quote, it's just like sanitizing society. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, that that's prima facie evidence of eugenics right there. It's terrible. But also, when we think of that, it reminds me right here in the United States is that they often hide these arguments under logical fallacies. And right here in the United States, we also hear things such as product of conception, or it's just a clump of cells, so what does it really matter? But what it sounds like Nigerian officials are trying to do is simply justify their actions through um, illogical ideas. Mm. That child is a separate, unique, unborn human being, and it deserves our protection. Mm. And Nigerian, Nigerian military leaders are denying all of these claims. In Nigeria, abortion is illegal, and both abortionists and women who seek abortions face prosecution. So what do you anticipate could happen next here? Who might be able to intervene? And how do you anticipate these developments are, are impacting Nigerians, you know, real people in that area? I think this is now the duty of the international community to step in. 
I mean, what we're having is a government that potentially is covering up its own human rights atrocities against women and also unborn children. Um, Americans United for Life has called upon the United Nations and also upon the U.S. Congress to investigate these allegations. They're very serious. Mm. And the United States not too long ago was known by all as, quote, leaders of the free world, Carolyn. But, but due to the large scale of this operation, what's the likelihood that some of our government leaders were aware that this was happening and turned a blind eye? In every other case, they promote abortion on demand, both at home and overseas. I mean, that's the problem with the abortion industry is it has this sort of abortion imperialism that it's trying to impose upon the rest of the world. We can see that throughout uh, the world, unfortunately, through Planned Parenthood's actions, through the Center for Reproductive Rights, and through Guttmacher, unfortunately. And so in that regard, it's unsurprising that we're now seeing abortion violations going on in Nigeria. But we hope and pray that they will be held accountable. Mm. Well, Carolyn McDonald of Americans United for Life, thank you so much for joining us today and for giving us the details of this report. Thank you for having me. Since Republicans won back a narrow majority in the House of Representatives, pro-abortion, anti-family Democrats only have a few days left of complete control on Capitol Hill. These final days have been fraught with fights about who will serve as Speaker of the House and back and forth between lawmakers as they try to fund the government for the coming fiscal year. And at the White House, President Biden signed the Respect for Marriage Act into law, which glorifies same-sex unions. He mentioned how devastated he is that Roe v. Wade has been overturned by, quote, the Supreme Court's extreme conservative majority. Jamie Dangers, legislative director at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America, joins me now. Jamie, thanks for joining me. Before we jump into what's going on in Congress, I wanted to get your thoughts on the fact that, again, this week, when signing a bill that doesn't even focus on abortion, the president just had to bring it up, complaining about this, quote, extreme conservative Supreme Court that overturned Roe. So what does that say about his priorities for our country, in your view? Yeah, thanks for having me, Prudence. It is not at all surprising that he brought abortion into an unrelated conversation. He is facing a lot of pressure from his base to be as extreme and as aggressively pro-abortion as possible. And look, Samuel Alito, in his ruling in the Dobbs opinion, said very specifically that it only relates to abortion. So there's a lot of fear-mongering going on, uh, saying that Dobbs could affect other policy areas, like Biden was saying. But I think we're seeing it in every facet of his administration, whether it's in the Veterans Administration, where now they are going against federal law altogether to fund abortion, or through the Department of Defense, where they are paying for uh, service members to travel for abortion and making sure they can get licensed uh, in states that provide abortion. Their, their policy agenda is very aggressively pro-abortion, and they're not going to let anything, even the law, stand in their way. Mm. Yeah, thanks for being so clear about that. And Jamie, let's turn to Congress. What can we expect from Democrats in these final days where they have total power in both chambers? I, I know one of the major bills that's currently going through the House is the National Defense Authorization Act. And, and as you just alluded to, Democrats usually try to, to ram more funding for abortion into this bill. Isn't that right? They, they try everywhere they can. Uh, the good news is with the National Defense Authorization Act, or the NDAA, 
it is must pass legislation and they do need 60 votes in the Senate. So that means they can't put any of their most egregious policies into that legislation. And Senator Inhofe, who is a retiring senator from Oklahoma, top Republican on the Armed Services Committee, he and his team have done an incredible job at pushing back on some of the egregious policies that Democrats have tried to shoehorn in. Um, meanwhile, as I alluded to with the Department of Defense policy changes, um, we are seeing Republicans stand up, specifically Senator Tuberville from Alabama, saying this is ridiculous. Uh, we're, you know, it's it's separate from the NDAA, but doing what they can on the Hill. He's going to hold up nominees from the through the Department of Defense as long as this policy remains in place. Mm. So with the NDAA, we're seeing push back where where we need it. And the Democrats do need Republican help to get it across the finish line. Mm, I see. And the other major piece of legislation is, of course, the omnibus bill to fund the government. Democrats are saying they've reached a certain level of bipartisanship on this. But um, are Republicans in agreement on that? There are varying opinions uh, within the party on the whole idea of an omnibus. It would be better to pass uh, each separate bill rather than one massive bill that has not gone through the committee process. That would be good governance. Um, right now, we are hearing that there is agreement on the actual top line numbers of how much will be spent, but we haven't seen the bill itself yet. So we don't know if Republicans will be happy or not with what comes out probably next week. Yeah. Um, but the omnibus is a new bill, so it means that uh, there are going to be new policies in it, and so we'll have to be very vigilant with whatever comes out. Right, and, and if it does end up being an omnibus bill, are there any particular riders you're anticipating that should be of concern when it comes to protecting life as well as the safety and the well-being of, of families and children? So many of our pro-life policies in law are in the funding bills. And so we always have to be very vigilant every year to ensure that none of those are taken away. For example, the Hyde Amendment, which is probably the best known um, pro-life writer, and the whole family of Hyde Amendments, those are, those are policies that restrict funding for abortion. And Republicans proved last year that they will not pass any kind of omnibus that doesn't include all of these longstanding policies. So we're expecting that those will stay in despite Democratic objections, but we're going to also be looking at the funding levels for various funding streams. For example, in the Veterans Affairs uh, funding stream for the Office of Women's Health, we at Susan B. Anthony Pro-Life America recently led a letter with about 50 other pro-life groups to Congress saying, there's a request for plus ups in funds in funding for the Office of Women's Health at the VA. And that's fine if it's going to legitimate healthcare uh, purposes. We want our women veterans to be well taken care of, but we're concerned because of the policy change at the Veterans Administration that some of that money could be used to implement the new abortion policy. So we're going to be working with members of Congress to make sure that whatever comes through the omnibus will be uh, will be for actual legitimate health care and not going for abortions. Mm. 
Well, Jamie, thank you so much for tackling all of these intricacies within these bills. We'll continue to keep tracking all of this. Thanks for joining us, Jamie Dangers of SBA Pro-Life America. Thank you, Prudence. Bishop Michael Burbage of Arlington, Virginia, has been elected as the new pro-life chair for the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops. His Excellency has been an outspoken advocate for life and has not shied away from weighing in to clarify church teaching on topics in moments of contention. He has served the Diocese of Arlington since 2016 and is also an experienced educator, having earned a doctorate in education from Immaculata College. Bishop Michael Burbage joins us now. Your Excellency, congratulations on this appointment and thank you for joining us today. Could you please tell us about a couple of your main priorities as you step into this role? Well, thank you, Prudence. Great to be with you and all of your viewers and listeners. Uh, yes, so my role as the new uh, pro-life uh, chair is basically continue the great work of the conference on the issue of life. And of course, that involves prayer and advocacy and witnessing and education and we're so blessed that the Conference of Bishops have a great team at the on the pro-life level uh, to assist in all these ministries, initiatives, endeavors. So we know that uh, while we celebrate the decision of Roe uh, versus Wade being overturned, we are also well aware that our work is just beginning, just beginning. And so prayer, witness, advocacy, education. And at the heart of that, I would say the priority is to transform hearts, right. to transform hearts, to embrace the gospel of life. Uh, the sacredness of life, the protection of life. Right. What an important mission. And Bishop Burbage, one of the biggest struggles many pro-life Catholics are facing right now is the fact that our president claims to profess our faith, yet he continues to act against it, especially on the issue of abortion. So what's your response to Catholics who believe now, for one reason or another, that they can continue living according to church teaching, yet also support abortion? Why well, share in that in that grave disappointment uh, of the uh, the decision and the actions uh, of a, an elected official in such a high office uh, not defending the sacredness of, of life, and uh, but is a reminder to all of us as followers of Christ uh, that the gospel of life is a mandate. It's a mandate. Uh, the Lord reminds us that uh, we are all created in the image and likeness, uh, uniquely created, wonderfully made in the image and likeness of, of God, whose very, very spirit dwells within us. And so life must be revered and protected and cherished and defended mm -hmm. uh, from the moment of conception uh, until natural death. Uh, that's what it means uh, to be a follower of Christ and to uh, certainly for all of us who embrace the Catholic faith, uh, we have uh, the urgency uh, to defend that uh, within our nation, uh, where we are seeing so much rejection of the gospel of life. Mm -hmm. And that that is for every person, and certainly the higher responsibility for those who have such a powerful platform. Right. So it's gravely disappointed uh, when we do not see that platform used uh, to protect the innocent, to protect the unborn. And on that note, Bishop, more politicians in general have been outspoken about their pro-abortion stance, including many others besides President Biden who are Catholic. So more specifically, what's your message to lawmakers who in their day-to-day -day life advocate for the death of these innocent children and still continue to present themselves for communion? Well, you have to do everything possible uh, to enlighten them uh, to see what is obvious. Uh, that that is a grave concern 
uh, that one cannot separate uh, what one knows and believes to be true uh, from political activity. So that requires a lot uh, on the work of, of all of us, but in a special way, bishops uh, who will continue uh, to meet with elected officials and to have those discussions. And sometimes those discussions are, are, are very direct uh, and to continue uh, to uh, raise to them that level of consciousness of the responsibility they have and the fact that they're ultimately, uh, they're ultimately accountable to God. Uh, and so again, uh, through discussion, through prayer, uh, through perseverance, uh, we have to con never give up, never tire mm. of trying to transform those hearts. And yes. uh, I, I know that my brother bishops and I are, are constantly at work uh, doing that uh, sometimes in, in visible ways, sometimes in public ways, and many times behind the scenes. Right, and, and we appreciate your leadership on that so much. And we have time for one more question. I wanted to ask, President Biden signed into law this week a bill that codified the recognition of same-sex unions in the law, labeling them marriages. He also said that this nation was founded on, quote, sacred and secular principles. And you said in a statement that despite this law being called the Respect for Marriage Act, it shows grave disrespect for the institution of marriage as natural law teaches. Could you just elaborate a bit on that before we let you go? Well, sure. We're, we're one nation under God, and that's where we find our freedom. That's where we find our peace uh, in doing the ways of God. And how blessed are we uh, as, as Catholic faithful uh, to always be able to speak the truth. And we know what the truth is. We know what the truth is. Uh, from the beginning, God created a marriage as a sacred, sacred union of one man and one woman, a union that's faithful, a union that's forever. Why? Because it reflects the union of Christ, Christ's love for his bride, the church. So marriage is such a uh, a powerful, powerful witness to the love of Christ for his church, for his people. And how blessed uh, are we to be able to uphold that truth? And, and maybe this is just an opportunity uh, to thank all the faithful married couples there for the way you're living daily, uh, your beautiful vocation, your gift to the church, and even more importantly, you're a gift uh, to a nation that needs your witness and example. So please uh, live that beautiful vocation God has given to you. And, uh, and we will continue uh, to call for all people to respect it in the true and genuine meaning of that term. Mm. Amen. Thank you for setting the record straight on that and for joining us today. Bishop Michael Burbage, chairman of the U.S. Bishops Per Life Committee, we're praying for you. God bless you. Thank you so much. Coming up, the popular American Girl Doll Corporation is under fire for promoting dangerous gender ideology to little girls. I speak out. Plus, we speak to the president of Holy Family Hospital in Bethlehem, who shares how the economic crisis in the Holy Land is affecting the health of mothers and babies. Next. Welcome back to EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. The American Girl Doll Corporation is working to destroy the lives of little girls with anti-girl propaganda. That is this week's Speak Out segment. Girls my age grew up on American Girl Dolls. Polly Pockets, Bratz, Barbies didn't hold a candle to our American girls. 
Many of us dreamed of the day we could visit the huge American Girl doll store, and we read the monthly catalog from front to back cover almost religiously. But now, to our dismay, the team at American Girl has made it their religion to glorify transgenderism and encourage young, impressionable girls to seek dangerous puberty blockers behind their parents' backs. They are robbing girls of their innocence. American Girls were a fun and educational way to give little girls a glimpse into what the lives of other girls just like them were like throughout different periods of American history. Now, parents are outraged that they are publishing books and content that encourage little ones to abandon their girlhood for the sake of woke agendas. And their parent company, Mattel, has been radio silent now for weeks. Parents, beware of these new agendas. This is not what we should be teaching our girls. As we are just days away from Christmas, we're excited to bring you to a pro-life hospital just steps away from the birthplace of our Lord in Bethlehem. The Holy Family Hospital is a Catholic teaching facility operated by the Order of Malta, a Catholic lay religious order. The hospital helps poor and at-risk women, infants, and children throughout the West Bank of Palestine. The devastation of shutdowns during the COVID-19 pandemic still impacts communities like this in the Holy Land, having a negative effect on the health of mothers and babies. Joining me now is Ambassador Michelle Bowe, President of Holy Family Hospital Foundation and the Order of Malta's Ambassador to Palestine. Ambassador Bowe, thanks for joining me. Could you start by telling us about the Holy Family Hospital in Bethlehem and how your organization is helping moms and babies receive the care that they desperately need there? Well, Holy Family Hospital is located 1,500 footsteps from the birthplace of Christ, and it's the only hospital in the region for one million people that can both deliver and care for babies born before 34 weeks. Mm, wow, what a beautiful testament to be so close to the birthplace of our Lord. Tell us about the economic crisis in the Holy Land and how it's affecting the health of your patients right now. Well, you know, the pandemic in the United States was able to be somewhat offset by some economic incentives from the government and from employers and things like that. But here in Palestine, those things were not available. And the only things people could do would be to rely on the generosity of their family and neighbors. Um, people made their tables longer. But in Bethlehem, the unemployment rate reached over 90%. It's an area very dependent on tourism, pilgrimages. So 90% of the families were left without income for over two years. Mm -hmm. And it's really had a devastating effect. We're seeing twice as many premature babies. Um, I've never seen so many one and a half, one or two pound babies um, mm -hmm. during my whole tenure here, 14 years in Bethlehem, where I'm actually speaking to you from Bethlehem this evening. <laughs> and just left the hospital a little while ago. And wow. it's a place of great hope, but at this moment, also great suffering. Yes, I can imagine. And what more can be done to help these moms and babies? Is there anything that our viewers can do to help? Well, at Holy Family Hospital, we're so grateful for prayers from people all around the world. And we're also great for the grateful for the economic support um, which people can do through visiting our website at birthplaceofhope.org, birthplaceofhope.org. 
where you can make a donation and even make a donation in honor of someone for a beautiful and meaningful Christmas present. Mm, yeah, what a beautiful Christmas gift that would be. And one final question, Ambassador. In spite of this economic crisis that you all are facing, Holy Family Hospital has been able to continue serving the community and has accomplished a lot this past year, I understand. Could you share some of the highlights of some of these difficult years? Well, we remained open every moment throughout the pandemic. We welcomed so many families in need. We began programs to make sure that the premature babies in our NICU that weighed just a pound were able to go home to food and to electricity and to everything that they needed. And this spring we'll be joyously awaiting the birth of our 100,000th baby born at Holy Family Hospital in Bethlehem. Wow, that is so amazing. And what uh, what services you must be able to provide to those people there? I'm sure you are such a beacon of hope for them. So thank you for your courage and, and your compassion for being there. Ambassador Michelle Bow, God bless you, president of Holy Family Hospital Foundation. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas from Bethlehem. That does it for this edition of EWTN Pro-Life Weekly. I'm Prudence Robertson. Until next time, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on social media at EWTN Pro-Life on all social media platforms. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, we're there. You can also send us a message by emailing Pro-Life Weekly at EWTN.com. We love to hear from you. Remember, life is a gift. Your life is a gift. God bless.